Praise God. Isn't it amazing? We just read this week that the words David said, who are we that you care about us? Right? Who is man that you're mindful of him? Who are we? I was just meditating again in prayer with the Lord yesterday and just thanking him. I was thinking about something I've said it, I've said it at least once, but I think multiple times from the pulpit this year, that with the instruments that we have today to measure both big things and small things, you know, we have big giant numbers, we round, we round them down right into powers because we can't, we can't even understand really, really giant numbers. And, and then the same way we're, allowed, we're looking down into like subatomic levels of things. Do you know if you measured us, your entire human being, all of your cells, if you measured us against the universe, the scale of how big the universe is, with our instruments today, you wouldn't even show up. You would be a zero. It would be such a small number that math would consider that a zero. And that the Lord not only cares about us, but he shows us over and over again that he cares even about little things in your life. It's not just that I care about you. He's not God in heaven saying, don't worry, you'll be in heaven one day. And, and that is the ultimate promise, just like we, we prayed last week, and I'm reminding us again here during worship. That is the ultimate promise, but there are promises. Let's just say that out loud. There are promises, constant promises that he's doing in our lives. He doesn't owe you those things, and you don't deserve those things, but he's doing them constantly, isn't he? Showing us that that little tiny speck of nothingness, zero, to him is precious. I'm just, I'm blown away. I just feel like the Lord wanted to encourage us today. And maybe even just, maybe someone's listening on the podcast that needs to be encouraged. I want to share with you, I knew that uh, I had spoken about this particular character not too long ago. But then when I went and looked it had been about nine months, I guess maybe ten months now, back uh, nine, whatever, sometime over the summer, uh, I talked about Abraham. And he wasn't the core of the sermons, but he came in. But I was thinking about this thought this week, and it was that Abraham waited 25 years for the fulfillment of God's promise. And that's faith. Faith is waiting 25 years for God to do what he said he would do. The Bible says here in the book of Romans, chapter 4, verse 16, Abraham is the father of all who believe. Let's just say that out loud. Abraham is the father of all who believe. It says in verse 17 that that is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. And this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. I'm being encouraged already. 
I just read one verse, and I'm already being filled with faith. Who's being filled with faith by the word of the Lord? The word of God is life. It says of itself that it's alive, and it truly is. I mean, your cells are a living thing, but really, who can define that line between soul and spirit within you? Right? You're feeling anxious. Ooh, I can't even say that word because then you say it, then it's a mind-body thing. Now your stomach feels something, then your mind feels something, then your stomach feels something, right? Where is that line between soul and spirit, mind and body? And if that's the case, then the Word of God is just as important for your physical body as it is for your spiritual body. Who feels more alive? I'm not saying you necessarily feel good all the time. Sometimes we go through things in the earth, but when your spirit is lifted up, Paul was beaten, he was chained, and he was in prison, and his first inclination was to worship the Lord. And so, verse 18, let's, let's get that type of faith. Let's get this encouragement from the Word today. It says, even when there was no reason for hope, sometimes all hope is lost. Sometimes you get to a place where there is no hope. And the Bible says that when Abraham hit that place, he kept hoping. Believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said. I just want to pause right there. Why did he hope? Why did he believe? Because God said so. Now in the natural, he had no hope. It seemed like a hopeless situation. And if time allows, I tried to cut down Genesis like as much as I could. I'm pulling this verse and that verse to try to put the story into something that could fit into a Sunday morning, I may just have to just remind us of the story. We'll see when we get there. But otherwise, I'm going to try to look at Genesis and read some of these verses. But uh, the Bible says here that he hit the place where it was hopeless. And the Bible says, but because he believed God and he didn't judge his situations by his own senses, by his own emotions, by his own feelings, he decided, I'm going to believe God anyway. Because God said, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. And Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, I love how the NLT translates this. Uh, some translations say he had strength. Some say he was strengthened. But it says here, in fact, his faith grew stronger. I want you to say that out loud with me. His faith grew stronger. Now, I spent about three weeks talking about the trials and the tribulations that you go through. They are to give you strength, to create endurance, and ultimately, what did we see? Your salvation in the Lord actually increases. Your strength, your hope in Him actually becomes stronger. 
And here it is with Abraham, the same principle that when he was going through something, he had the temptation to waver, that's certain, and you can even see in our own, in our judgments, it seems like he may have wavered, wavered, but in God's summation of Abraham here, the Bible says that he did not waver, but he was strengthened. His, his faith grew larger, and it says, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Man, these verses are building up my faith. They're just reminding me God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And then it says in verse 23 and 24, it's not just for him, but it was for us as well who put our faith in Christ. I want to say something that is hard to hear, but it is the truth. You cannot faith your way out of every trial. I'm going to say that again. You cannot faith your way out of every trial. Some trials are quick, so it seems like our faith got us out. But some trials are long. I was thinking and just meditating on how Winston Churchill, right? His most famous quote of all time. You guys already know, who know the quote, you already know what I'm about to say. Winston Churchill, they're about to go into, World War II is just beginning and he's the prime minister. I need to encourage the people. And he says, we're never, 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 right? That's famous, I'm never going to give up. And then he says, if you're going through hell, keep going. Keep going. Some things we go through feel like trials, but I was just meditating, and I just feel like the Lord just made it so clear. Some things we go through, they feel like trials, but I want you to hear this. They are just part of the process. Some things that we think are trial is actually just part of the process. Now, I'll give you a very simple scenario. When a child is being trained to eat at a certain way, time in a certain way, and then we bring them into school and we're forcing them to learn the ABCs and the one, two, threes, that child thinks, what did I do wrong? I want ice cream now, and I'm going to scream until I get it, and then they find out if you're a good parent, that all that screaming does is put them in the corner, put them in their room, or to bed for the night. Now, in the child's perception, they're thinking, man, I'm going through trials and tribulations. It sounds funny, doesn't it? But that's what it feels like, doesn't it? And you're like, this is not a trial. It's not a tribulation. This is just part of the process so that you grow to become the person I need you to be. So let me say this. Everything we go through, trials, tribulations, and the process as believers is an opportunity to grow 
and to learn to trust God more. Faith is not the way out, it's the way through. And greater faith is the end goal. I'm going to say that again. Faith is not the way out, it's the way through. And greater faith is the end goal. You can believe and you can trust God. And the thing is, Isaac's not coming. And next year, you're believing God and your faith in God. I'm putting my faith out there, and you can go storming all you want. You can come to the church, and you can come storm this ground and, and pray and say, Isaac's going to come now because I declare it. You can do all that. And at 25 years, when God said it's time, that's the moment when Isaac's coming. And that's what I want us to see today. I'm not telling you not to have faith. I'm telling you, you better have faith because it might take longer to receive what God has for you than you think. But sometimes we have a misperception of what faith is. We think we're just going to snap our fingers or rub the, rub the bottle of the genie and God pops out and says, what is it that you wish? And bam, you have it. And that's not faith and that's not God's way. If you read your Bible and don't just have definitions, you will find that every single character, Old Testament and New, had to learn to rely on God, trust God, and walk out a life of faith before they could proclaim things in faith. The Bible says here in Hebrews 11, verse 8, it says it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when God called him. So the Bible says God called him, and here's an example of faith. Everybody say, an example of faith is obedience. Faith is not just you believing something, but obedience. Part of the process of faith, part of believing, is obeying. And so we must, as his people, we must look at his word and we say, Lord, what is it you want from me? Am I in the right place? We're coming before the Lord. We're in repentance before the Lord. What do you have for me? And then sometimes people stop there and they think, well, we obeyed God. So now if God's not answering you, you must be doing something wrong. And here's what it says. It says that he obeyed God. That's step one. If you're not in obedience, your faith is not really faith. But then it says, it says that God took him to another land. He says he went without knowing where he was going, verse 9. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. So my Bible says, and so does yours, that Abraham obeyed God, he obeyed him, and that was faith. But also living and walking out the life that God had planned for him was also faith. You're going to find, as we're just going to look at this story today, the faith that God is looking for is not faith in faith, but it is a faith in him. It is a faith in believing that God has your life within 
his hands, that he is fully aware of your situation, and he has a plan. Amen. The Bible says that he was like a foreigner. He was living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Wow. Sometimes I think when we hear testimonies of faith, what we really should do is spend about 8 to 12 hours with that person after their testimony describing the hell that they went through, right? Because we just hear these testimonies of faith, and it's amazing. God has done amazing things in my life and in your life, hasn't he? But there's a process, we love the testimonies, but when you hear the testimony, when we testify about the testimony, we should also say, listen, I know that God's going to move in your life. I know he's going to break through in your life. I know he has more for you than you could possibly understand or imagine, but I will not sit here and tell you that it will be quick or easy. I love when, I've said it many times, I love when I put my faith in the Lord, I pray, you come down the stairs, and the Lord answers your prayer, instantaneous faith to result. I love those moments, but it's not always like that, and what I want you to know today is that you're not lacking in faith, you just haven't seen the result yet, so what do we do in the meantime? Just like Winston Churchill said, hold on to your faith. Keep the faith going. You're going to need some faith sometimes to endure. And then I was really just started to preach on it. The Lord just put that word into my spirit for three weeks before Easter to have endurance. It's a season of endurance. And then I put on one of my pastors I listened to, and he said, it's more about endurance. The men of God who followed God, it was much more about endurance in their life. If you really look at their life, their life was more about endurance than faith. He wasn't saying they didn't have faith, but they endured in their faith. Praise God. It says, Abraham, verse 10, he was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. We could really go into this, but this, the point of this here in Hebrews is that uh, we are also believing for the same thing Abraham was. We don't have time for that, but just know that we're looking also for a city with eternal foundations, a city built by God. It goes on just to review here that by faith, Sarah was able to have a child. She was barren, but she believed to keep his promise. Verse 11, verse 12 says a whole nation came from this man who was as good as dead. And it says a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. And then it says something that's strange for us reading the chapter of faith. Hebrews 11 is known as the hall of faith, the chapter of faith. But verse 13 says, All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised. It kind of seems like an oxymoron. 
to read about the chapter of faith and then to read, they did not receive what was promised. Now, what do we know as strong believers, as mature believers? Come on, we're not flipping immature believers. What are we? We are the full stature of Christ. What does this verse, what is it saying between the lines? Let's just say it out loud. They did not receive what was promised in this realm, but God certainly kept his promise. They saw it from a distance and welcomed it. Just as we receive some things the Lord does on this side and some things people are going to judge and say, well, God didn't answer that prayer or they didn't have enough faith or blah, blah, blah. But there might be things in your life that God was going to fulfill in future generations even. We're going to look. I don't know if we're going to have time for that, but you know, Abraham didn't see millions. Did Abraham see? Let's just get to it right now. Did he see? Uh, descendants like sand on the seashore? Did he see descendants like stars in the sky? He didn't even see one sun. He didn't even see a sun yet. But the Bible says, it says here, they did not receive, let's just say this way, the fullness of what was promised, but they had a glimpse of it. The Lord gave them taste of it and they have their eyes set on an eternal promise. Ultimately, what's Hebrews 11 really pointing to? Pointing to Christ, that he was the promise coming, that all of the things the Lord can do for you, and he can, and he's willing. He said, I'm willing. But ultimately, what is he really looking for? You to know him, to trust him, to believe in him. And a miracle is easy for Jesus. Jesus healed 10 lepers. One came back and had a conversation with him after. It's not the miracle we're after. It's Jesus we're after. Obviously, it says, it says they agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. I'm trying to encourage you today. Who's getting encouraged? Come on, who's encouraged? The point is, come on, let's get our eyes. There are many things. I already said it, but I'm going to say it again unless so that you don't accuse me of not bringing the promises down into the earth. The Lord does give us many, many precious promises here in the earth, but there is an eyesight that we must have that is like, okay, Lord, thank you for all these things, but these don't compare to the true and eternal promises that you have for us in eternity. And this is a mature Christianity because as a Christian, you are not going to be on the mountaintop at all times. You will in eternity, but sometimes you're going to come down into the valleys. And that's the time, as I've been preaching, that you're going to start to question God. Maybe you're not, but there's the temptation to start to want to question God. And you're like, I'm not going to question him. Lord, I'm not questioning you. I'm getting lower. Nope, not going to do it. I'm certainly, I'm getting tempted. I'm getting really tempted to start. I'm not going to, I'm not questioning, not questioning God. Come on. And you get lower and lower and lower and lower. Come on, this is, and a mature faith says, well, it's not God denying me. Either A, 
I'm going to start rising and I'll see these promises on the other side. Or B, I die in the process and the Lord's going to fulfill every single promise that he ever said because he's God and because I believe him. Who's encouraged? It says, but they were looking, verse 16, for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Wow. Let's see if we have some time to look in Genesis. It's, I have a little bit of time, but it's a lot of text, so we'll just go quickly here. Genesis chapter 12 we just read, we've already summed this up, but let's just see Genesis chapter 12, and then you can go back and read it in your own time. The Lord calls Abraham, and he just says to him in verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you famous. You're going to be a blessing to others. And verse 4 says he's, he departs, and as the Lord instructed, and he gets to Canaan, and he builds some, some altars. Why? Because he was trusting God, and he was following him, and he was worshiping him. Okay, Lord, I'm here. You told me to do it. And, and I, I, I'm not saying I have a lot of hope in, in what I see, but okay, God, here we are. And the Bible says, verse 10, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. We don't have time to get into this. All we can do is guess. I don't want to preach a sermon where I'm going to tell you what he was thinking. And anybody who does, doesn't, uh, has no authority to, all we can do is just say, well, this is what happened. I'm not sure, but it's either one of two things. Either A, that was part of God's plan, or B, he, he stepped out of God's plan for a moment. But regardless, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 13 that God's like, I don't think so. I've got a guy who wants to follow me. Whether he made the mistake, whether his faith wavered or not, my Bible says in the New Testament it did not waver. So sometimes we judge him, his faith wavered, he didn't trust God. Well, why would it say in the New Testament that he didn't waver? One way or the other, he got into a place that God didn't want him. And what does my Bible say in Genesis 13? The Bible says Abram left Egypt and traveled back north to the same place towards Bethel, where he had placed the altar, and there he is worshiping God again. Amen. Praise God. And the point is that God... This, this life of faith, sometimes you're following God, you're trusting God, you get into a place and you're like, what are we doing here? How did I get here? And you know, we don't need to try to decipher and figure out every little thing. What we need to do is just get back to the place where he was God and I worship him again. And here we are. Now here's my tent again. Okay, Lord. What's the next phase? You told me I'm going to be a great nation. You said you're going to bring me here and bless me, and this is my land. It didn't feel like it in this last season, but here we go again. You can look in your own time. There's a whole bunch of drama that goes in with Lot, who came with him. Whether he should have come with him or not, the Bible doesn't say. He said to leave his family. He didn't give a technical stipulation. Lot can or can't come with you. You leave. You go. He followed him. That's for God to figure out, but the point is, that created some other drama. 
There was a chance for his heart to waver and not trust. But basically what happens is he said, Lot says, I'll take the best land. And Abram, you get that land over there. Well, that turned out pretty good for Abraham, didn't it? When Sodom and Gomorrah was suddenly destroyed, the good land, quote unquote, was suddenly destroyed by fire and brimstone. And you start to see that the life of faith in God is a lot less of somebody who knows what's going on every step of the way and has everything figured out. A life of faith is much more stuff happening to you constantly, people stealing your stuff and taking your land and, 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 and droughts and famines and crisis, but you continue to trust God anyway because now here's Abram in the land that was the leftover, at least in his perception. It could have been in his perception, certainly in Lot's perception, and here he is now in this land and he is preserved by God. Wow. So God tells him again, I'm going to give you many descendants. Like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land. Go, go and I just want you to go and see the land I'm going to give you. Genesis 15. Sometime later. You know, you don't want to hear the words, sometime later. But who's heard them from the Lord? <laughs> sometime later, the Lord comes again. Don't, aren't you, let's not be discouraged that God takes a long time to encourage us again. That's a mouthful. That's a tongue twister. Let's be encouraged that he comes again. I'm going to try to say it again. Let's not be discouraged that God takes some time to come to encourage us again. Let's be encouraged that he comes again. Come on, who's been in places where you're like, God, I just need you to come and encourage me again. I need you to remind me of the promises that you said that you were going to do in my life and through my life. And ultimately, my trust is in you. If I don't see it, I'm not going to stop believing. I'm not going to waver in my faith. I'm going to press on until, just like Paul says, until I finish the race. But Lord, this is, these are the things that at least I thought you said you were going to do. And then the Bible says, he says he took him outside and he says, I want you to look up into the sky. See if you can count the stars. That's how many descendants you'll have. And it says, Abraham believed the Lord. Wow. Abraham believed the Lord. Genesis chapter 16. This is a funny chapter. I just, just, you know, we got, this is where Hagar comes in. This is where Ishmael comes in. You know, the New Testament doesn't mention this as a mistake, and I don't have time to get into this at 12.06. It does not mention Ishmael as a mistake. It just says it was a human attempt. God doesn't consider that wavering in your faith. You know what God considers that? You being a spirit in a human body. And sometimes you're going to do things that you thought were God. You thought I could help God out. And sometimes it actually doesn't delay God at all. Isaac was coming when God said Isaac was coming. All it does is give him a, maybe a false hope that this is the guy. This is going to be it. But it doesn't actually ever call it him a mistake. It just says it was a human attempt. It was an attempt of the flesh where Isaac is spirit. So God has his way, and he was going to do what he was going to do. And what he was looking at was Abraham's heart that just says, God, 
I'm going to make mistakes along the way, but ultimately, I just want to follow you. I left everything behind. I'm trying to help you, which you don't need any help, but I tried. Genesis chapter 17. I think this is funny, too. He comes and changes his name, and it says that Abraham bowed down. He says, he's, he's saying, you know, Abraham's reasoning, you know, well, it's going to be Ishmael. And God's like, no, it's going to be from Sarah. And it says, Abraham bows down to the ground, and he laughed to himself in disbelief. He laughed to himself in disbelief. And yet the New Testament has him in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, and Romans 4, the father of faith. Come on. It's okay to laugh in disbelief, apparently. He just didn't do it every day. Some, the point is, sometimes you're, you're going to feel maybe discouraged. Sometimes you're going to think, I don't know about that, God. But ultimately, what do we see he does over and over and over again? He keeps coming and saying, well, you're God. He keeps, he's counted righteous because he believes God. Now, he, his, you have to see this. His spirit believed God, but his flesh laughed. Come on. Whose spirit believes God, even though sometimes your flesh doesn't understand? All the time, my flesh is telling me. I'm very aware of, of my flesh's inadequacies, but my spirit is a different person. And that's what the New Testament tells us. Paul says, that's not me. You may hear a voice inside your head that sounds like you. That's not you. You died. That's not you. Abraham was not responsible for that disbelief because ultimately he kept trusting God. So God, God does this amazing thing. It, this is incredible. God doesn't even see one tear drop to the earth without noticing. He counts the hairs of your head, and yet he's able to not remember the moments you laughed at him because he sees your heart before and after. Wow. Faith is not just saying, I believe. It's the faith that says, I wavered a little bit, but Lord, help me. Help me again. I need, help me, Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe you more today. Lord, help me. The Bible says in chapter 18, Sarah does the same thing. They both laughed. In fact, Isaac's name is what? It means laughter. His name. The promise Come on, don't you think God, isn't God funny? Who named Isaac? Do you think Abraham and Sarah named Isaac? I mean, they think they did. This is a great name, Isaac, coming up with it in their mind. Hey, honey, what do you think about Isaac? I love it. God inspired the name, didn't he? God said his name. God said his name is Isaac. God knew... <laughs> Man, I love this. I am so encouraged by his word. I am so encouraged. It says she laughed because she said, she said, she said, how could, verse 12 in the NLT, an old, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? 
especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? In verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Wow. Sarah was afraid, verse 15, so she denied it. I didn't laugh, but the Lord said, no, you did laugh. Wow. It's so good, isn't it? Finally, chapter 21. I can't believe we made it. That's by the power of the Holy Spirit. I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me get through it because I really wanted to go through these chapters. Chapter 21, verse 1. Come on, let's just be encouraged by this first verse right here. What's it say? The Lord kept his word. Abraham's faith took 25 years to come to fruition, but God did what he said. And I started in the New Testament, and I read those verses because I want to give us the correct concept post-Christ, post the cross, post the blood, post the Holy Spirit, so that we understand that even if he didn't do it in the natural, because Isaac does come, but Abraham dies before Isaac ever gave birth, right, to the next generation, and so on, which means the promise that God gave him was not just God did not say, leave your homeland and I'll give you a son. He said, leave your homeland and I will make you a mighty nation. Nations, plural, kingdoms, in fact. He never saw it in the natural. His faith was in God who is greater, come on, than what he could see and understand. And God gave him a glimpse of that promise with Isaac. A glimpse. You and I here today, this is amazing. I mean, talk about, talk about how big God is. Us sitting here today, when God took Abraham out and said, look at the stars and go and try to count the sand, you and I were numbered in that. Wow. There's no way in his reasoning, even if God sat him down and tried to explain, well, in about 5,000 years from now, there's going to be a church in the Hudson Valley. My saviors come. They're a weird bunch, but they love me, and they're your children too. Wow. I want us to have faith that God knows what he's doing. Let's set our eyes on him. You have no idea what you are doing in your lifetime in the next generations, in the world around you that you, you don't even... Faith is trusting God. I'm just going to trust you that you know what you're doing. And sometimes it's not going to go the way that I think it will. And sometimes I'm going to touch it and try to help it, and it's just going to kind of make things a little bit of a mess. There was some tension in there with Ishmael and Isaac for a season, but God is going to do what he said 
he would do. One way or another, God is going to fulfill the promises, he said. And here it is, Genesis 21. They named their son Isaac, and he was, he was christened here before the Lord. He's circumcised. He's dedicated. He's promised to the Lord there. And then it says, and Sarah declared, verse 6, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham and Sarah that Abraham and Sarah would nurse a baby, yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age? Wow. We must not lose heart, right? Don't faint. If we will reap our harvest, let's not grow weary and faint, right? Galatians 6, verse 9, the NLT says at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. It's time to just keep trusting and trusting and trusting and trusting God. We're just going to put our eyes on him. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep believing. I could get into it. I want you to look in your own time at Luke 18, the type of prayer the Lord's looking for. The type of prayer he's looking for in Luke chapter 11. That's how we're going to pray. We're going to pray for miracles, for things to happen, for God to do mighty things in our lives. But we're going to set our eyes on him and know that he is in control and he is moving and, and shaping and pushing and twisting the earth for his glory. Amen. Praise God. We just thank you, Lord. And again, Lord, I just bring every single person, mind, body, soul, and spirit before you. And Lord, we just bring, we bring, Lord God, ourselves before you. And I pray in the name of Jesus for healing, Lord, in every cell of this, this place, Lord God, every cell. We just pray in the name of Jesus. You said to us, you said, pray for the sick and they will recover. You said, gather the elders together and pray, Lord, and they will recover. We just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you've already given us healing on the cross. By your stripes, we were healed. I thank you, Lord. This body is just a shell. We are already healed. We just don't understand it yet, but we're already healed. So I pray, God, that in this season in the earth where we're in these cells, God, I pray for healing, Lord. In this, in this time we're here, Lord, I pray, give us healing here, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Bless you.